episode of The Compete Waffle. My name's Alicia. I'm an advanced sports dietitian and co-founder of Compete Nutrition, which is a tech-based solution to all your nutrition needs. Now, I really approach this next podcast that you're going to listen to with a real need to share a story that I feel gets left untold so often. How often do we celebrate all the wins, all the successes, all the completions, but never really hear about the plans that didn't go to plan, uh, the challenges that weren't finished, um, or the successes that maybe there was plenty of learnings from, but they didn't achieve what they set out to achieve. Now, these two guys, I have had the pleasure of working alongside both in their coaching roles, but also individually as athletes for a while now. And they have always just astounded me with their professionalism, their openness to learning, making mistakes, but also their want and drive to just continually progress and continually to push to boundaries that, you know, most of us will never really ever want to achieve. Now, Ben Cabra and Vlad Chatrov is those guys, and they are part of RunLab, and you may have heard of them through running circles if you are also a crazy endurance, ultra-endurance runner. Now, Ben, last year in 2020, set out um, to be a sole runner with a support team, obviously, to finish the Great North Walk in the fastest known time. Now, for those who know the Great North Walk, it is a length of... Um, mostly trail bush um, of 276 kilometers a very challenging very technical run Uh, for vlad he set out wanting to achieve um, and finish the coast to cozy but you know knowing vlad he didn't just want to finish the coast to cozy he wanted to do it in the fastest known time also and the coast to cozy is an event that he talks through in this next podcast you'll hear more about it but as a just a short little brief one it is 240 kilometers with including a summit um, up and down cozy so a very very hard race uh, and very different terrain to what ben uh, went through but as you'll hear in the coming podcast things for both of them didn't go to plan Uh, the achievements that they set out to achieve didn't happen And so what I wanted to share here is the story behind that, the challenges that that are associated with that, the pressures that those things bring, but also the different emotions that process and progress after that, um, that you need to work through and what their bounce back looks like, what's their recovery and how are they dealing with, you know, all the naysayers, but also how do they continue on their purpose and really refinding their why beyond those moments in time where, you know, they were controlling as much as they can, but things still don't go to plan. So um, I'm really looking forward to sharing this one with you. Please enjoy. This podcast is already one of my favorites, even though I literally just recorded it. They were so raw, so vulnerable in their stories. And for that, I am just eternally grateful because I think there is something here that all of us can learn um, and that we can always find growth and positives in moments of feeling like there's been a failure. So thank you so much for listening. As always, please reach out, please review or um, leave a star rating. Any small amount of things that you can do for this little podcast makes such a big difference. So I really appreciate all your support, guys. Uh, and I hope you enjoy. Cheers. Hello, Ben. Hello, Vlad. Thank you so much for joining us on The Waffle. Nice. Hello, Alicia. Thanks, Alicia. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So we're, this is one of our first um, podcasts with three people on it. I'm pretty excited. Hopefully everyone doesn't get too confused. So I'll try and be really direct with who I question and make sure that we try and keep it within a time that you can all listen to because I know all of us will probably be pretty good at waffling on. Um, so when we're going through, I um, was just saying to the guys, the reason why I reached out to both Ben and Vlad is that they have done something pretty epic in 2020. They um, both set out with some really big, goals uh, in terms of completing some really big ultra runs. So Ben, you set out to um, complete the Great North Walk in the fastest known time. And for those who aren't aware, that is 276 kilometers of running. And Vlad, you set out to um, complete the Coast to Cozy, but you didn't just want to complete it. You wanted to do the fastest known time, of course, because that's how we roll. We do extremes. Uh, And that in itself was 240 kilometers. So Why don't we talk around, I guess, so much of when we try to do extremes, sometimes 
that risk doesn't necessarily pay off to what we would have classified as success or what we were hoping to achieve. So for both of you, you both came across some challenges in achieving those goals. And Ben, I'd love to start with you. How did you, um, I guess, prepare for this epic 276-kilometre event that you did on your own with support? Uh, and how did you find that? Well, uh, probably the longest time spent planning and the most in-depth planning I've ever done for an event. And I think just because of the sheer factor of logistics from starting in Newcastle, finishing at Sydney, and just the dynamics that would play with weather, the, tr- the terrain, and all those aspects and you never know what's going to happen and I'm very untested in that sort of distance as well as only have done sort of I don't know 400k races or three sorry 300k races and then that's yeah going up to that next level and just speaking to a lot of people like I spoke to a lot of people that um, have been on the course before have, have actually attempted it before have previously held records on that on that course just trying to suss out what to expect Mm-hmm. And again, it's such a big distance, you never know what you're going to expect until you're actually into it. But um, but being able to process it by breaking it down and just mm-hmm. working in the separate checkpoints, that was probably the best thing I did to go through was not looking at 276K, but looking at 30K, 60K, 90K and had certain markers to go, okay, well, this is this, is this point where I'm going to change shoes, need to change clothes, change fueling strategies and obviously using yourself as well which was um amazing and just how precise you were with what we planned on when to have what the amounts that sort of stuff as well and yeah and then you you just sort of hit the day and go well it's here now and just yeah the training's done like i i spent a lot of time on the course and just and that was i suppose that's was probably a benefit to say something like what vlad hadn't had a chance to really get on the course too much but i was able to just do some of those sections that weren't familiar or that I knew that were going to be more difficult as well. Mm. And just, I suppose, training the body to be in fatigue. I knew, obviously, it's a long day and I'm going to be running, well, during the day, that the start can be fresher, but actually running some of the sections at certain points of the day where I'd be um, on, on a similar sort of state of fatigue just to practice that mental, um, yeah, the mental fatigue, um, just yeah, getting, getting used to pushing beyond when you yeah because you make a good point like how do you possibly train for something that is 276 kilometers you're not going to go out and go i'm just on a training run guys i've got to do a 200 today it's like well we've got other things going on you've got other work commitments plus also family life life in general um you know to fit that in and also ensure that you are practicing on the fatigue and um you know nighttime running and all the logistics that come with it there's a point where you've really just got to control your controllables, I guess, in that circumstance and let go of some things, but really ensure that you've ticked off as much as possible. Exactly. And that's it. And the day unfolded. Yeah. Didn't quite go to plan towards the end, but, um, but again, it's just, yeah, again, what you're saying, reflecting on like the, the big picture of, of the, the extraordinary event that I, that I participated mm-hmm. in and the amount of people that I had, in support and that were um, cheering for me and that um, were just all part of the whole the whole journey and the experience and just seeing mm. the community come together and and I think that was the biggest takeaway from the whole thing was just the what it did for um, for for myself and seeing the big picture of the, the running community and the culture that it that it's all about. Mm, I love that. And before we get into, I guess, um, where that ended up and um, what did go wrong or what went right as well, Vlad, um, talk us through the Coast to Cozzy. So that's a pretty epic event in itself um, and de- definitely different to what Ben was achieving um, because it was a set race, if you like. Um, talk us through what that event is all about and also um, what you were able to do in the lead up to prepare. Yeah, so it hasn't been on for two years and they brought it back this year. Um, and I think because of the fact that there was very limited races on, it gave the people that took over the race the ability to put it on knowing that it will, would get the capacity field, which is only 50 people. But it starts at Eden on the south coast and it goes up to Mount Kosciuszko, which is the highest point in Australia. Um, it's not that high in comparison to other countries, but it's still 2,300 metres approximately. But he mainly run on very runnable terrain, so different to Ben, which was very technical. 
this was a much faster race um, and at least half of it was on bitumen as well. Um, when you weren't on the bitumen, the rest of it was on pr- pretty good, like just dirt roads. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, the, I mean, I was pretty well trained all year for events that never happened. Yeah, so I kind of, you know, I didn't really have a problem. My motivation was always there, um, which is, I think, surprising in itself. But I kind of, um, I was trained at a very high level, so I didn't have to do too much in terms of volume training. Like, because as you said, you can't go and run a 200-kilometre uh, training day because you've got other things in life, but also that would just ruin you for the next four weeks. So you wouldn't be able to do that. But, you know, my longest training runs were the kind of runs I do before a big miler. So, you know, I'm talking about a lot of double days and 50K. I think I maxed out at one 60K run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, between 40 and 60Ks were my longest runs. Uh, lots of double days. Um, the main thing that I did differently was to try some different fueling strategies with yourself, knowing that I'd be going for longer than I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Doing a night running session because I've actually never had to run in the night, <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. I've run in the morning. Um, but even in the miler in New Zealand, I finished before it got dark, which is surprising. Most people, when I first tell them that I've never run in the dark, they're like, you know, that's crazy. And it is. Um, but it's different running in the dark and it's, it's enjoyable, but it's got its own challenges. And then the altitude. So I did altitude training at Air Locker in Newcastle. Um, and so I was really prepared for the, for the event when it came up. So, yeah, the altitude training and a bit of night running on fatigue with a slightly different nutrition strategy for going longer than I was used to were different um, aspects that I had to bring into my training. Yeah, huge things to, to consider. I think what often gets overlooked when people think about the ultra-endurance is, you know, they'll look at the feet of it, but also I think the logistics and the planning that goes behind the scenes is just such a big task in itself, not just the running and the um, training, but how much thought goes into each aspect and, you know, the shoes that you're mentioning and the different um, nutrition that you've got to pack and the immense um like support that you need to get through these events is um, quite big. And you mentioned as, as well, Ben, like the community that's needed um, to get through any of these or even attempt these is um, part of the process. Yeah. And yeah, like then was able to get people on course in yeah. um, different places and um, which was really was amazing. Um, and I was out there on the day and then my race was different in that we had to self crew, but mm-hmm. still like I had four people that, it was like they were racing with well, they were racing with me. So it actually wasn't just me doing the race, but there was five of us doing my race um, oh, because they had to kind of be in the car um, every five to ten kilometres the whole day. You can imagine, like, you know, getting to three o'clock in the morning. They've been going since three o'clock in the morning because the race started at five thirty. Yeah, you know, <laughs> for them, like, they were just as tired um, the day after the race as I was. Like, everyone was just physically exhausted. It was just. The day after my event um, was just the weirdest Saturday. I mean, like trying to sleep during the day, which I never do, and the waking up and the sun's out, and then just being not hungry and then starving. And then it was just, it just the whole body clock is completely thrown. Mm. The whole body is completely thrown into this chaos. But that's so, that's a part of the awesome feeling of doing something like these crazy ultras. Like it just rewires your body and just everything's just turned upside down and reset. It can't explain it really until you do it. Yeah, it's amazing. Because I think for both of you, it wasn't really the um, goal of just completion. Like you both went into these events with a bigger goal and that was to get the fastest known time on both these courses. It wasn't enough just to complete. And I think that speaks volumes to both of you. Um, And it definitely is something that I love working with you guys on. Um, and so when, um, so we'll start with yours, Ben, because yours, um, my goodness, like to organize that was just incredible, but also, um, there were some things that went really well. And then, um, some things that you found really, really challenging by the end. What, what goes through your head when you are running for that long of a time? What do you think about what kind of things do do like, is there demons in your head that you really fight through? Are there periods of time where you feel like you're in a flow? Yeah. Try to throw it. Yeah, well, uh, I think, I mean, right from the get-go, I, I just knew that I was, it was going to be a, a tougher day than, mm. than I was hoping, just with the, the big storms that we had leading into the race. And, like, starting starting at 4 a.m. and then running straight into a 
um, into a headwind all the way getting to Build Beach where we're running in basically waist-deep water for a couple of K. Wow. And so I was getting salt wet straight mm-hmm. from the get-go and then having to – and then I was worrying then obviously having to worry about chafe with the salt water, et cetera, as well. So had chafe start, start from right from the start. Um, and then once we got on to – out to – towards Charlestown, et cetera, we were in a good flow and I got, I was back on pace. So um, I think it was just, and as I mentioned before about the checkpoints, and that's all I did was just focus on the checkpoint, each checkpoint, each checkpoint, and just getting a bit of a time update, et cetera. So on that, but the hardest thing was the water. My feet were wet the entire day and I felt blisters coming on fairly early on. But the thing was I, I could, I could push the pain for the blisters aside because they were superficial. I knew they were manageable, but if it got worse, I changed shoes and socks once mm. um, early on, early, about probably 70K in, mm. um, but, and just re, just reapplied Vaso and all that sort of stuff, trying to just minimise any anything that would um, bite me in the, in the long run. Mm. I love the breakdown of the length. Like, I think that's something we could all learn, particularly at being January. I think so often we want to go from 0 to 100 with all the things that we're wanting to achieve in this year or this month. But even in your race where you were planned for it and you were, um, you know, trained for it, you still didn't go, I'm going to go from 0 to 276. I'm going to go from 0 to 30. And then from 30, I'm going to go to 60. And you just really broke it down. And I think there's something to learn there in all of the progress points that we make in our life um, and the habits that we aim for. So that's really cool. Um, at what point in time did you start to um, feel, because uh, for you, it was really that the pain and the injury that started to come in. At what point in the race did you feel that coming on? And at what point did you think, okay, this is actually going to be a bit of an issue? Yeah, uh, probably 200K. Right when I was coming, I was in the Tonga and I was coming down the stairs and I could just feel my left ankle just every time I put the pressure down on the stairs, running mm-hmm. down the stairs, it was just starting to really hurt. And mm-hmm. I did have planned a change of shoes at that point, but because there was a, it was a tight, tight period where I was getting picked up from the boat. So I was really worried about missing the boat and, not, and losing time. Mm-hmm. So I, instead of changing shoes, then I decided to stay on, stay on what I was wearing and then change at the next check, checkpoint, which was Cowan, but that wasn't until that 230K in. So it still meant that I was running 30K in those shoes that um, basically just um, with the sock insert had locked up my, because my ankles were already inflamed and mm. the inflammation was already there. It basically started to stop the blood flow from getting to my ankle. Wow. And so it was more sort of bone on bone starting to hit. Mm. And by got to Cowan, that's when I changed shoes and the whole 30K, my feet were just killing me. And I was just like, but I thought if I changed my shoes in time, they'd be all right. And then I just, but basically that was the point where I was in a lot of pain. And mm-hmm. from 200K to 247, when I had to stop, mm-hmm. I got to the last checkpoint at 240 mm-hmm. and that I, well, that I made it to. And um, mm-hmm. I was like, I was just calling for painkillers, calling for, I was like, well, running on the road. And I was like, I could feel just the, bones just I could feel it like it was a ligament so I just kept whacking my ankle on the road trying to get blood flow back into it mm-hmm. um, but it was just obviously too late and I got to this last section where I had to go down these stairs which was basically the end of the trail like I'd mm-hmm. done the seven and a half thousand meters of climbing I'd done all the trail it was just road all the way to Sydney mm-hmm. and um, so I was still moving on the road okay but it was just when we got to the stairs the last little you go down into and you cross a river and then you come back out and I just couldn't put my foot down. Mm. Um, yeah. I got down the bottom of the stairs to where the Creek was and it was, yeah, just, I knew that if I had gone any further, mm. worse, something worse would happen. And mm. instead of not being able to, I, I, I thought about walking mm. and just trying to get, get to the finish. But at that point I was just in so much pain. I couldn't even put my foot down. Mm. I felt that I was going to do, more damage than been good so I yeah got down to the bottom of the stairs and looked at uh I had um Jeremy and Andrew with me and uh Andrew was in behind me and then turned around and I just uh was hunched over on my poles and had a little cry and a bit of a scream <laughs> and uh that's when I just knew that there was no point pushing on through and yeah. I was still on I was still on time but um but I just thought by that stage it was going to be a slow, a slow walk in, so I didn't quite get to Sydney. But, um, yeah. but what yeah. 
through your mind, like, you know, you mentioned the tears and the screaming, which I can completely appreciate would be most people's reactions. Because at that point in time, you would be completely sleep deprived. You've been going for a really long time overnight, um, but also both mentally and physically exhausted. Did you, do you feel like it was just all a bit of a blur that moment? Or is it really clear in your mind about how it felt, what it was like, and, you know, the thoughts that happened um, during that time? It was pretty. Um, it was pretty clear because through from that from that point where I'd say probably at two hundred and fifty k. Oh, sorry, two hundred thirty k. I was just basically reviewing everything and mm-hmm. and just going, okay, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I? Will I change my shoes? Will I change socks? Will I loosen my shoe? Will I? Um, but as far as like energy, like nutrition, everything was perfect, spot mm-hmm. on. I didn't feel any. I didn't really have it. I had a couple of low points, um, but uh, but uh, as far as energy wise, it was all it was all pretty good. Like there was only one that I was really actually around seventy k really early on where I actually had my first sort of I was just in a lot of pain and I that's when I sort of started to question. Well, it's a long way to go, but I got through. I just but again just reviewing and processing and push through that. But um, but no, I I was I had one section probably about for about 20k where i can't really remember what happened it was like that was when i was probably i was really in flow i just remember coming to coming like 2k out of the checkpoint and i said oh how far we go and he goes oh you're 2k out and i was like what we're only just like (laughs) micro sleep (laughs) yeah so i think it was something like that was just really deep like i knew Um, it was, I think uh, what Joe, Joe Ward said something to me, like, I think it, was, it said, okay, you've done all the hard work now. Now you've just got one little climb out and then you got road. And I mm-hmm. think that was sort of where I just get to this next checkpoint, mm-hmm. then it's, then that's it. But unfortunately I couldn't get beyond that. Yeah. Now I'm going to go through all the kind of emotions that come with that um, in a sec, but Vlad, you, um, I think for both of you, there were so many things that you did control. There's so many things that you prepared for. And for both of you, it was um, things that you can't really possibly prepare for that prevented you from finishing the race. Vlad, do you want to talk us through your event? Because it was different in the way that I am sure it was extremely hard in the body in other areas where it was, you know, that hard surface um, over a long period of time, but also, you know, that you're coming so close, but it's still, you know, there was still a marathon to go. I think it's easy to forget that when you're talking about such a long distance yeah so um you know it was just um the the pressure that i mean i and i would never do it any other way but um it's just the way that i am but you know obviously the expectation of running the uh quick time um was always um, something that i wanted to do as soon as i knew the race was going to be on so Mm -hmm. i knew that i had a certain average pace that i needed to achieve all day um and i went out um to do that regardless of the conditions and you're right there's certain things i had a really good race plan which is different to a training plan um where i've done a lot of mental preparation and thought about putting in place contingent and preventative actions in case things went wrong and that type of thing and and that did allow me to get to the event um really well prepared and nice and controlled and calm um but then on the day, um, there's certain things that you just can't control. And so you've just got to best, to, to the best of your ability, you've kind of got to um, not let them get, get to you and try and um, put in place certain things to try and limit the damage that is happening. And so on the day, like knowing that I needed to run at an average of five, uh, I think it was 5.08 or 5.13 per kilometre for the 240 kilometres, which really like at the end of the day, it's not that quick for me um, in terms of the races that I have done before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done the comrades and that type of thing where I was averaging like, you know, under four minutes per K, you know, so I've done some <laughs> stuff, but, and that was, that's almost a hundred kilometers, but this was different because you, you've got to carry some stuff, you know, like you buy yourself for massive sections of time and there's some massive hills in this race. And then you've got that hard ground, just always there for 240 kilometers. And then we had the weather. And unfortunately, the weather was probably the biggest thing that we don't have control over. And that had the most impact, unfortunately, on me on the day. Like, I I just wasn't feeling great the whole day, honestly. Um, There was things that started happening pretty quickly with my feet in terms of just having soreness. Um, 
we had a really challenging year last year. Everyone did. And one of the, the things in reality that I just wasn't able to do was get access to the type of gear that I'm used to. Mm. So very specifically my running shoes. Um, I wasn't able to get what I needed um, enough of from my sponsor. Mm. So I started playing around with, okay, if I'm not going to be able to wear those shoes, um, I'll start, I'll try and wear these shoes. But when you're doing like 30, 40, 50 K training runs as compared to a 240 K race, it's completely different. So on the day, like, um, you know, I started getting a really sore foot um, from only about 40 kilometres in. Like, I could feel that it was going to get much worse. So then I started doing shoe changes really early. Like, mm-hmm. and luckily I did. But, you know, I wasted 10, 15 minutes in the first 50 kilometres just with, like, trying to get more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the camber of the road, um, together with the headwind, which was really strong, and the heat, it got up to between 35 and 36 degrees, people say, like at different sections, the headwind was up to 50 kilometres an hour, if not more, on the exposed terrain. And so you can imagine if it's 35 degrees and you've got a 50 kilometre headwind, um, how much extra energy you're burning and the fact that I was getting really sore, like in the back of my hips and glutes and flexors, as well as my feet were really playing up. And if you know my story, you know that when I was 10 years old, I had major... Um, surgery on my ankles because I have really bad ankles and they're still not great but I can run you know and so all of that that tipping and the angle was just putting me in this extreme pain and like you can see there's images of where like I met my mum at 120 kilometers because I ran past the farm and like you can see that I'm limping um, you know when I started to run again and that's because I was just sore so I was battling all day I just focused on getting to the sundown because I knew that probably the wind would stop from growing mm. up there, like it almost does stop every time the sun goes, and it did. Um, and then I had some really good moments with my crew running through farm towns where I used to catch a school bus and just the locals were out on the street and, you know, it's, it is really good then running into Jindabyne and then things started going wrong again. But the whole day I was never thinking that I wouldn't actually ever finish. Mm. Um, and even two minutes before, or somewhere two to five minutes before I actually stopped, I was even just saying to the guys that were in the car next to me, I was saying, make sure you get my um, my summit pack ready. So, because there's the final nine kilometres out and back, you're allowed to take people with you, but you have to take other gear because there's no road there and the weather gets really bad, can get really bad, mm-hmm. which did happen. <laughs> I actually finished the race a kilometre from where I stopped the next day. So, the finish line got moved back. Um, because the weather got so bad the next day. Anyway, that that's totally irrelevant. But, um, you know, so I, I mean, all I'm saying is that right up until the final moment, um, I was completely just, I was never not going to finish. And then it all just came, um, it all just very quickly came apart. I Basically, I just completely shut down. It been from 35 degrees to four degrees. Um, I pushed harder than what I had wanted to all day. Um, I was in pain the whole day, um, probably from 40 kilometres. Um, and just all of those factors together with the cold, I think um, I had also cramped in some really strange places. Mm. Like I was cramping in my elbow, like when I was going to take a drink. Yeah. Right. I was like cramping there and in my neck and then I was like having a kind of just, wow. yeah, it was really weird. But um, like... I just stopped and like I just basically almost fell onto the road and the guys kind of steadied me, mm. but I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even move. Mm. It was just, and I've been used to the pain had been there for so long that it kind of didn't, um, wasn't really a factor. But, you know, like Ben said, <clears throat> I was like, okay, well, I'm still going to, I was thinking to myself, I can still finish. It doesn't matter. Like if I'm not going to achieve exactly what I wanted to, Um, it's still a credit, obviously an amazing goal just to finish the race. And I was like, okay, well, I can actually stay here for, I could have slept for a day, actually, almost. I could have probably slept for a whole day. Because I had that much time to do it. After like 30 minutes of being in the car, like going basically hypothermic and then getting warm up again and that type of thing, I just knew like I couldn't even move. And the next day, like, I couldn't move. So I couldn't have even walked unsupported to the finish and back, even if it took me seven or eight hours. So mm-hmm. I just made the decision to stop. I was totally cool with it straight away. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to deal with things like this in the past. Um, I think a lot of other people in the weeks after the race asked me how I was coping mentally. But, I mean, it was in that moment 
then and there that I was like, okay, it is what it is. I gave it all. I wouldn't change anything. And that's what happens when you put your body on the line. You know, mm-hmm. I think for me, somebody sent me a message and said, um, you, you know, sometimes you have races like this. Sometimes you have a, a Tarawera, um, which is where I won the miler. And that's exactly right. With me, the way I race, um, when you, and when you really are doing something like that, like to the best of your ability, if something out of your control happens um, or the smallest thing can set off a chain reaction um, and it's just like, bang, mm. you know. So, I mean, if I took it conservatively, of course, I would have finished the event. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it wouldn't mean as much to me. Love that. And that's really intriguing because that was going to be one of my questions around, you know, did you feel that regret or, um, you know, the what ifs and things, did they play over your mind at all guys um, in the days leading on from then? Um, Yeah. Initially I was sort of, I was okay. And then like a day later I was like, maybe I should have done this, could have done this. But then, but then I was like just having a look at the bigger picture of, and talking to everybody it just that's the way it goes when you mm-hmm. when you when you get to that point it's just you lay it on the line and then that's it and it's just and it's just such a been such a great learning experience and I, like i hadn't done anything like that before mm-hmm. so i just put it on the line and went out for it and it didn't work out but just the the learnings and the experience from it has made me has made me set my goals in other aspects moving forward and just looking at um, different opportunities and just to see how far I can go. Like I'd never been that far. Like it was, an, it was 147 Ks longer than I ever run. So like, that's just an achievement. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well you can do that. So what, well, what can, what can you look at now? And um, initially I went bang, all right, well, I'm going to go, depending on how the year falls out, I'll, I'm going to go do it again, attempt it again at a certain point. But um I'm at the moment, I'm sort of toying with it, but it's just at the moment we don't know what's going on with COVID. So I don't want to do it and then sabotage any other parts of the year if races come on. Mm. So I'm just going to basically see how the year pans out with the, with races and with events and, and you never know, have another crack at it. But, it was going to be one of my questions, Ben. <laughs> yeah. I was just, uh, I was uh, more, for me, like I was just more annoyed than anything. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like a mosquito, just fucking, just like, fuck's sake, like, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I, when I do things like this and, you know, unfortunately, you have as many positive supporters as you do negative mm-hmm. and it's just the reality of life. Like, mm-hmm. you get all these people that are saying things um, and I hear them through various sources about the way that you attack things and go for races and even just there was some things that happened on the day and I'll never talk about them because I don't need to. Mm. Um, but it kind of just makes you, you know, it just kind of makes sure that you're grounded but also makes sure that you maintain your maturity to not bring yourself um, undone by being um, overwhelmed by um, the way that people view people that take on, um, you know, these challenging events. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was just annoyed because I know that um, it, for my crew, like they didn't, they weren't able to kind of celebrate the success. That's all. Um, because I know that I'll go back and do that or another event and I'll have an amazing um, result wherever it is. Another time I'll do something like this and it will happen. But just for those guys that were there on that day, like, mm-hmm. Um, I just hope that maybe that can somehow be a part of something I do in the future where the result's just slightly different. <laughs> um, and that's all. Just yeah. a point. I was just like, oh, fuck it. You know, <laughs> I, I just like, love that. Because I think so. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point because I think when everyone thinks about, say, for this example, ultra running or ultra endurance of any aspect, so often it is thought of as individual sport. But for both of you, this was a real team event. Like, and so I can imagine in that moment where that decision was yours to make, but also, you know, you were out of, contr- out of your control in making that decision. Like there wasn't necessarily an option. Um, that can feel, you know, a little bit of guilt or frustration or um, things around not just yourself not being able to achieve a goal, but those around you not being able to celebrate and um, be a part of that achievement either. Yeah. But I think one of the good things... Um 
especially with Ben. That's you know, one of the other things that I mm. kind of um, didn't feel um, probably the way that it could have felt was that the fact that um, all of the people that are kind of invested in the journey by knowing that I was going to do it and having me talked about it and also coached everyone in our run lab term and in the leader, they kind of weren't actually able to be there because it was just so far away. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like I was only able to share it with a very, very small amount of people. But the good thing with Ben's thing was that even though like um, he didn't finish what he wanted to do, like it was still such a success and it was um, very evident the next day um, when everyone came to Ben's place in the afternoon and caught up with him that had been out on all different parts of the course but hadn't actually been together. And then they were all together and we did a Zoom as well. And it was just like an amazing, um, really just satisfying, um, thing, like put like a yes. conclusion to it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone was, there wasn't anyone thinking or it wasn't like a down feeling at all. It was just like everyone was completely hyped and like so excited by it. So, yeah, that, that was great to, for Ben to be able to share that with them. Um, but yeah, there were so many, yeah, so many more people involved than just you, even though it's solo, as you said. Mm, yeah. And, and also like for both of you, as you said, like this was a very public thing. Um, uh, you know, Ben, you were fundraising and you had made it very public, that this is what you were looking to achieve. It's not like you secretly went out to achieve this and didn't necessarily um, tell anyone just in case it didn't work. You really went out with um, your heart on your sleeve of why you're wanting to achieve it and what you wanted to achieve. And so there was a really big vulnerability um, in doing so. And Vlad, you're the same. You know, a lot of people watch and, um, you know, view what you do look up to you and um, you both coach many, many people. So um, how do you deal with that? Um, do you feel the pressure of others or do you feel that vulnerability? Um, and is it something that impacts you? Um, not necessarily, but yes, yes and no. Like, I mean, you do, when you do voice things, you put things out there. Yeah. There is an element of, yeah, of, uh, of getting, getting that self doubt, etc., all those things. But, then, I mean, if you carry that into in, into your race, then it's not going to do you any good. So I think it's just, yeah, just quiet, quietening all that. And you can you can always use, I mean, use social media, positive and negative. Negative, there's lots of things, and that's something you can just sort of, you can um, choose what you want to hear and surround mm -hmm. yourself with all those positive people as well. So um, it didn't, didn't to a point like, yeah, you have those little thoughts every now and then, but it's not going to get you anywhere. If you can sit, you're sitting there doubting yourself or thinking about what, what others are thinking, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's what you do on the day and it's what you do and that's what makes you yeah. you. I've had um, so many instances where I know people have um, wanted to achieve something but have been kind of really quiet and a bit coy about it, sneaky, um, and it even gets worse than that. Um, and I'd so much rather just put it out there and say, this is what I'm trying to achieve and try and do it um, to the best of my ability, like stick true to my morals um, and not just be a, uh, well, I actually really want to win, but I'm not going to say that because, um, because I probably won't be able to, like I just don't want that to impact me. Where I think if you are able to um, manage that, I, I think that shows um, like a, a massive sense of maturity but also um obviously you've got some type of skill and or rationale to be able to handle that and yeah once i like the first thing that when i saw this race came up like the first thing that i did was look for the race record mm. right and it's like as soon as i found it like okay i'm going to run faster than that and that's it and then it's like okay well then you go okay well you can have to talk about that and let people know and it's like well that's fine um, and I will deal with that and prepare for that when I train and that's how I do it. So like I'm, there is an expectation there and you don't want to not succeed, but yet as you can only control so many things and it's mm -hmm. when I'm out there training um, in those harder sessions, I'm mentally preparing for trying to do, to do that. I mean, and look, it's, I'm not saying like, especially for people that are, are new or not even new, but um, trying to achieve their own uh, amazing goals. Like it's, you know, just pick a target, which you think is 
slightly out of your control. It doesn't have to be that you're going to win it. It may be that you're going to try and do this in 13 hours this time, or you're going to try and run the first time. You're going to try and run a hundred kilometers and it's kind of scares you into um, action, but it's going to mean so much more to you, even if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. As Ben and myself found out multiple times for me, but for Ben, this last time he's just done this big event because he's still got so much more out of it than if he would have approached it in a slightly different way because it forces you to train better, prepare better, bring other people into the fold in a bigger way um, than if you kind of just like, I'm just going to try and do this this year and do this this year, you know, like I think you get so much more growth out of it. One thing you mentioned, Vlad, was in your preparation uh, and probably, you know, not just for this run, but for both of you, you go through the things that could go wrong. So you're kind of a devil's advocate when it comes to your performance, but also planning. Can you talk us through that? Because that is actually something that research has shown in any goal that you're setting. It's really important to actually think about what are the things that are going to challenge me or be a barrier to achieving this goal. So I'd love to hear from you on how you do that, but also um, how you overcome those different um, planning points that would come as a result of doing that. We, um, there's, there's a lot of ways that I'm sure there's a lot of ways that you can do it, but a really simple way um, that we, we started using last year in Run Lab was using traffic signals. Um, so green obviously being good, um, you're in control, you're in the present moment focused, like you're able to see, smell, touch, feel, hear things like in a really positive way and you feel like you're in control. And then you've got the amber, which is the most important when things start going out of your control or start not to go right. And then you've got the red where you're pretty much out of the, out of the game. Mm. So we practice um, being very aware of what signals um, you have personally around your attitude, the way that you communicate with others, the way that you look at others, the way that you smell, hear, see, do, touch, um, when you start going into an amber. So what are your, and everyone's different. So, you know, if you're starting to get a stitch, if things are starting to hurt, if your pace is starting to go, if you're starting to look at the ground instead of looking at your competitors or the people in your checkpoints and you're starting to get negative talks, how do you recognise that quickly and what strategies can you put in place to pull yourself back into the green? And there's release strategies that you can use. And so we've all, like one of the things we did this year was develop our own release strategy and practice it. And I think, unfortunately, I went through that like way too many times in the start of my race because I was having to do it right from the start. I was uncomfortable the whole day, and but I was continuously going, um, this is orange. Like, I don't want to be here. If I'm here too long, I'm going to go into red, okay? And then how you pull yourself back. So you can do it in training. Mm. Um, but it's really hard to do it meaningfully in training unless you're doing a training session which is very close to a race effort and duration Mm. so that's for me why I decided to well well, I was actually grateful that um, I was able to run with Ben in the whole night section of his race because I stayed up the whole day um, and then I ran and trained that day myself and then I had to go and support him on the course and then I had to run it in the whole night um, and so, like, I was putting myself into as most a similar position as I could replicate for being awake and running for that long. And then just without being under complete pressure, because it wasn't my event, I was able to go, okay, I'm starting to feel really uncomfortable here. It's like 3am in the morning and this is happening and, like, I'm getting sore, I'm getting wet, should we, whatever, we're taking wrong turns. But Can you just, the waterfalls come? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> pull yourself, you know, out of it and this is how you do it. So you definitely have to practice it. The other thing is visualisation. So like imagining the sections of the course when you're actually out in training and in pain and or not feeling great and trying to work out um, what you're going to do if you're feeling like that in the event. Mm. Um, You also think about how good it feels to achieve your goal because that euphoria and um, that excitement and that sense of, accomplishment as well is is a really good um motivator during Mm -hmm. an event like this and so if you can every now and again if you can tap into that just purposefully not all the time like you can't be thinking i'm about to finish the race and i'm going to break the course record and everyone's cheering and and it's like fuck i've got 200 k's to go (laughs) so it's uh, like when you're on the course and someone yells out you're nearly there and it's like no i'm planning it on i'm nowhere near the uh, yeah, I think I think my favourite is how far is this marathon? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's 42, just like all the others. Yeah, just the same one. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's what I found so interesting about um, yours, lad. Like, 
uh, you were, you know, around that 40K out, were you, when you finished up? Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was, 40, yeah, I was about 40 kilometres out when I finished. Yeah, and same for you. Like, you know, Ben, it was like 30Ks to go. And when you've gone and you're aiming for, you know, that 240, 270K, it sounds like 30 or 40K is just such a small amount. Right. You're so close. But in reality, it's another marathon. So most of us can't even, even like, imagine running a marathon after that. So I think it is really funny how your context and um, changes when you're looking at such big um, lengths of time and you know as you said like Ben how much further you've run just because of that event and um, all of us probably listening well most of us listening could even could not even imagine setting out on such a um, big event and also such a long period of time of running so I would love to know um, because you know not everyone listening to this podcast is doing ultra endurance um, what what's your purpose? What's your why? Like, um, is it crazy or is it something that is just your why and you know, what really drives you to keep going? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely mental issues somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, Look, no judgment from me. I'm in the same boat. So that's fine. I just push myself and see what, 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 how far can I go? Like mm. I've done a few other, um, I've done a 24 hour race before, uh, which, um, again, it's just sort of seeing, okay, well, there's your limit what can you do now? What can you do now? And that's sort of admired after experiencing that mm. is what, what can I actually do? What, how far can I go? And I, um, I mean, I've had such a really good relationship in the last sort of 10 years with my dad. Um, so a lot of my why is, 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 uh, is a lot to do with, um, yeah, just um, lifting my dad, I suppose, and just doing things um, and thinking of what he can't do. And he had a lot of stuff, cut short out of his life at the age of 50 so um just that as a as a as a why and as a driver to say well i'm i'm fit i'm healthy what can i do where can i take this and just being around like um like people like vlad and the people that you look up to and then get get inspired from to push yourself to a different level and then and the surrounding um elements of the community and being a coach and being surrounded by that people you want to there's nothing more rewarding than seeing someone achieve their own goal and set trying to set a standard, I suppose, and to say, well, look, if you want to do something, just have a crack, go for it. The only limits are the limitations you set yourself. That's always been sort of my own sort of mantra, so to speak. It's just your limits here, just keep, keep pushing that limit. Just keep climbing. Amazing. So that's most, most of my life. Love that. What about you, Glenn? Uh, it's, yeah, there's a lot of similar stuff there. I mean, when you see somebody... Um, achieve something um, which means a lot to them it's really special um, and if that can be because you've they've been motivated by you or the way that your group does things or whatever you as a coach then that's an amazing feeling like one of my customers clients um, sent a picture of him over Christmas running with his daughter um, and this guy is, um, is an incredible gift at his own profession one of the best in Australia at what he does um, but he just said to me, oh, I wouldn't have been able to run 15 kilometres with my daughter on Christmas Day if it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of why I do what, you know, that obviously makes you feel great um, in, a, in a very grounded way. Um, and um, there's probably a lot more people that have those types of stories, but they're just um, a little bit maybe um, shy to actually share it with you. But if there's one, one or 10 people saying stuff like that, then you know there's probably thousands that are getting something from you. And many people do reach out after these events and say, don't change the way that you are, um, you inspire us. Um, I'm definitely a little bit crazy. I love um, the pain, like doesn't bother me at all. I actually really enjoy the going into, I guess people call, call it pain caves or whatever, but it's, for me, it's just like going to a state. And I think um, you learn... Um, and you grow uh, so much in that uh, when you're in that um, complete depletion, um, but but able to, the, the bodies are just amazing, mm. and like gets to a point where you can kind of just really keep going, and you can achieve these certain things, and um, you know you do something extremely challenging um, to yourself like that, and it, I think it'll just help you in so many other parts of your life. Um, and I guess I'm just lucky that I'm able to do that a lot more than other types of people because of my work. You know, I'm, what I, my work is events and all around events and, and racing for, for different reasons. Um, and so luckily, you know, I'm able to go and challenge myself to do a couple of things like this every now and again, a couple of times a year, hopefully. 
yeah, I can't believe it's turned into hopefully now with this new world of COVID. I guess, yeah. you know, for many of us, yeah, we're talking about events that didn't go to plan, but um, for many people listening, whether it is running or some a completely different sport or event, that's something that a lot of us have felt over the course of 2020 where what they set out to achieve either got postponed or cancelled um, or the year didn't just go to plan. So um, what's some advice that you would provide, um, you know, all athletes, but also everyone active um, and setting out to achieve goals that may not have eventuated like they had hoped? Yeah, I think especially at the moment because it's so much more re- real than it's ever been in, mm. in any of our lifetimes. Mm. We've never experienced um, these epidemics, pandemics. Um, but it, it's very real. Like no, no more is it that um, you might get injured or um, there might be a, you might lose your job or whatever. It's like you're actually not allowed to go anywhere. You're restricted and that's out of your control and bang, done, gone. So do have like your actual, I think, you know, I sat down uh, yesterday with Ben. I mean, we obviously had, Ben's been away for a couple of weeks, a week or so. Um, we've had time apart. We looked at our goals for this year. And um, we have some events in there, but I know like in my heart of hearts that it's, um, it's not going to, like I'm not going to be able to do all of the things that I wanted to do. So I've looked at what am I going to do that's going to be different to, um, you know, what I'd like to ideally do, but it's going to almost mean or probably mean just as much. Mm. And so I've got a couple of really specific goals, um, both of us that we're going to add into what we're trying to achieve this year. You know, event goals. Yeah, event goals. And not yeah. event goals? Have you not added? Goals. So, yeah. so basically personal, personal event goals. So mm-hmm. more of like what we've just, or what Ben's just done. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I've always wanted to do is um, an Everest. Um, I haven't always wanted to do it, actually. I just started noticing more people doing these really yeah. crazy things. But an Everest <laughs> is like almost 10,000. It's the height of Mount Everest, mm. 8,000 something metres. And um, so I'm going to go and do one of them in the three or four weeks. So I'm just going to run continuously up and down the hill and see how long um, try and complete it in a certain number of hours, which is hopefully going to be not too many. Yeah. Um, it's going to still be at least half a day, yeah. at least. Um, but I'll tell people about that. I'm just trying to organise it at the moment. But, yeah, like having yeah. things like that and yeah. that's not – we're not yeah. doing that. So, like, for people to go, oh, how amazing is this guy? Look, at he ran up that mountain so many times. It's like – it's not about that. It's about, okay, I want – fulfillment i want challenge um i want drive i want to help inspire and lead and motivate and and, and this is a way that i can do it, it could yeah be, it could be a 5k someone going out trying to beat their their best 5k and get a pb for five or yeah or so it's half marathon or yeah we've got the goal times as well like okay i want to get back to being able to run a x minute 5k or 10k this year which i haven't really been able to focus on because i've been doing so much racing mm. you know so you definitely but you definitely need to have these very real backup plans there because it's going to happen. Like it's already mm. happened. We already can't. I think there's a couple of races at the start of this year that are going to be cancelled for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. And then hopefully towards back half of this year. Come on. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you can't just sort of ride, have everything set on this big achievement. You can't make it just this one big thing because as soon as you could yeah, put all, all your eggs into it and then it changes or you can't get there or you get injured or something something happens yeah. and then you just fall apart. You yeah. need to have something beyond that. If Coast to Cosy Oscar was on now, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah, true. It's, yeah. it's really talking about a handful of cases, but they've stopped all the states from travelling to New South Wales, for example. Yeah. But that could happen for anyone. Yeah. And it's like in a matter of days, it's gone from, oh, somebody's tested positive to this, thank. Yeah. absolutely true yeah the speed of the change is such a big thing and I I think one word that we've probably spoken about more than ever is that resilience of having you know different identities and uh, making sure that you've got backup plans and ready for that contingency and I I spoke to Pat Carroll earlier this year on the waffle and um, one thing that really shocked him in the lockdown was that oh do people only run for events? Like I didn't realize that because he just runs because he loves it. And so one shock that he had was, Oh, why, why, why is everyone stopping running? Like, even though there's no event, we're still able to run. (laughs) I think for us, luckily, like it seems like there's only maybe 30% of, 
people that we were training that just seemed to focus on the events. They very quickly changed to saying others or other things. But yeah. there's some people like Alicia, I haven't seen them for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, when when the first lockdown came, like they hung around for a little bit, then it was like bang, they just disappeared. Like mm-hmm. and you feel yeah, sorry. That they yeah. you know, try and reach out. Um in many, many ways. And then mm. luckily most of them are looking like they're going to come back and be involved in things now, but like it just, just yes. the, the impact on them. Yes. That they weren't able to mm. see the purpose in continuing on with that because there probably wasn't enough things that they would get out of it at that point in time to be mm. able to keep going. Like it was just mm. too overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. And and when we're looking at that, so often we do set out these real outcome goals, right? Like it's like, I will complete, you know, whether it's, you know, the UTA or um, a different marathon or whatever it may be, there's that outcome goal. And if our focus is only on that outcome goal, we actually lose focus of the why we're doing that in the first place. I always, yeah, one of the biggest biggest things is like, I can't remember who I was saying it to, just within this last week, I said, if you can't remember, if you aren't aware of what you are doing and enjoying about running, mm. not aware of it and conscious of that, then you're not going to keep doing it. I mean, if you're not enjoying it, mm. then mm. Not doing yeah. it. there has to be certain things that you do every time you put your shoes on and go for a run out the door that you really love. Otherwise it's just a fad. Yeah. Yep. Anything because it is not easy. Like running is one of the hardest exercises you can do. Any elite sport is very difficult. Mm. It hurts. It's like you're not warmed up. It's like, uh, you know, whatever. Muscles get sore and tired and stuff. But but there's so many other things that for most runners, uh, it's very rewarding and they, they do it for that reason. But if you're not conscious of that um, and if you're not giving it the, yourself the time to um, appreciate that, then as soon as a few things become difficult, you're not going to keep doing it. Start, yeah. start with why. Mm, yeah, I know. It's a good book. If, if you haven't read it, it is a very, very good book. And when we're looking at that, I think you make a really good point, both of you. It's around those friction pieces um, because humans are lazy. Like if we're not enjoying something, if something doesn't feel, you know, like it's enjoyable and achievable, there are these frictions. And what we see in nutrition is, you know, those grand goals of I'm never going to eat chocolate again. I'm never going to, um, you know, do the biscuits after dinner again and they're just these grand things that of perfection um but what we miss sight of is actually that flexibility and the why behind wanting to do that like there's um and also the environment and you mentioned it then where you hang around people who run a long way and so your environment is conducive to running a long way and making that feel very normal and achievable and easy the last thing is you want it you don't want to be going against the grain when you start feeling like everything's a chore or you're just not working. And that's when, when you're coaching that, you speak to people that have all these big goals or they say they want to do this and then you, you sort of have the chat with them. Okay, have you thought about this? How much time do you have to do this? Does your partner agree with you doing this or what's the schedule like with your kids and that sort of stuff? And then they, sometimes they haven't quite thought, thought that all through. They've just had this, the typical story, the drink with, drinks with mates at a barbecue and then... Yeah. But yeah, just thinking of yeah, the purpose, the why, the big picture, and and yeah, so you don't want to be feeling like it's a chore. Yeah, I love that because I think um, you know when we're looking at whether it is performance or whether it's a you know body composition, weight loss goal, or whatever it may be, um, it comes at a cost, and that needs to be assessed before you go into it. So you know you may want a you know ten percent body fat and um, a six pack, but what are you going to lose as a result of that? Or what's going to be the cost of that? And we're really weighing up, you know, around your family and the time and the different stresses and the environment that you're currently in. So I love that that's also something you think about and talk about with your athletes when it comes to um, going out, setting a goal in terms of um, running, but being really realistic with um, what is possible right now, but also, you know, always aiming for progress longer term as well. So tell me, guys, tell me um, how people can be a part of RunLab. And also, Vlad, you've got Pro Trail Runner as well um, up and running. So I'd love you to just share with everyone how they can get involved with um, long-distance running, if that's what their jam is, and also how they can um, reach out to you for help. 
Yeah, so um, well, uh, the business is runlab.com.au. Um, and then, you know, you can get in touch with us. Um, and we'd love to speak to anybody that is on their running journey. And, um, and I really mean that. It's not just um, the people that um, are better at running, but it's the people. Mm-hmm. Plus, the people that come to run lab and do well are the people that actually want to make a change, mm-hmm. regardless of the ability in running. Okay, so if that if you sound like, if that sounds like you, then we would love you to come because you're going to get so much more out of it, and so will we. Um, it's a really dynamic collective culture. You know, some of our group sessions, which are larger, um, are just too difficult to explain how much fun we have with them yeah. um, and how much rewarding they are. But even our smaller sessions, where we're able to give much more one-on-one focus, um, you get so much out of. I guess yeah. most people got something. Did something. Good did come out of COVID for most people. Um, you know, you speak to a lot of people and you'd be the same. You guys of your business, you know, you had the opportunity to do different things like mm-hmm. the conference that you guys put on early, well, during last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would have got so much out of that, Alicia, um, not only personally but for your business and just shows you what you can achieve mm-hmm. in adversity. And one thing that I decided to do was pro trial runner. Mm-hmm. And if you protrialrunner.com, and once again, that's for people that are in trail running anywhere in the world that want to um, get access to me in live sessions um, and learn how to trail run better, but also develop the mental strength. It's very similar to the types of stuff we do in Run Lab, but obviously that's very localised. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. Pro Runner is specifically targeted towards people um, regardless of location. And yeah, I think that's the, the offer of the run lab. It's not just about running. It's about how to improve your, your running, but also your attitude, your, your personality and improve you as a person and develop on where you want to focus on in those goals, whether it's some um, road running, trail running, um, coming back for like strength training as well, all, all, mm-hmm. all those different aspects and working in with, um, yeah, with that mental state as well, getting, building on that mental strength. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of um, working alongside you guys and watching you with your athletes. And I think one thing that really sticks with me is how you meet that runner where they're currently at and really listen to what they're looking to achieve, not just kind of band-aid fix everyone of like, oh, you all want to be elite. It's like, no, everyone's got different goals. Everyone's got different abilities, but also everyone's in a different place of life. And so their goals are going to shift and change with that. So I've absolutely adored watching that in action. And um, I'm on the rehab journey of getting back to running, but as soon as I can, I will be with you guys. Now, before we finish up, what is your one piece of advice? I will give it um, you both a turn at answering this. For anyone who is about to jump into something that does feel uncomfortable, vulnerable and risky, with that risk of, you know, not necessarily completing it but finding, you know, the positives in it. So, yeah, Ben, go first if you like. I think think of the big picture. Mm. Think of why. Think of um, yeah. Just break it down and look at okay. If you want to get if you want to get 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 that goal or achieve that, think about what you actually have to do to achieve it. And um, speak to people that have done it before. Get get educated about it. Get passionate about it. But you got to have passion. You got to have the drive. You got to be. Um, you got to have that why and that purpose. But I think just um, yeah. Always always be pro- Always think about the process of of learning and getting uncomfortable because once you get uncomfortable, you get comfortable, then you just keep getting uncomfortable again. That's, True. that's, I think that's all part of it. Just don't, don't lock into one little thing. Just keep looking at expanding and building your bubble. Love that. Mm. Love that. I mean, I would say, I mean, um, what I said before about um, recognizing what it is that you enjoy about it, that look, that's once you're in there and yeah. just use that to keep going. But I guess um, you it's like going for a job interview. If you're going to start this thing, um, you need to do a little bit of preparation, but you also need to be prepared to be a little bit embarrassed. Like I admire the people who rock up to the first session with us after very little um, interaction online, although they could have had more. Some people just literally, we don't know where they come from. They joined RunLab uh, and, and then they, you know, they get the e-news to tell them where they're going to go on their first session and then they rock up. They're not in their run that gear yet because they haven't even got it. You can tell they're different and they just walk straight up to you and say, hey, I'm Josh, I'm the new person. And you just go, awesome, let's go. And like most of the time, they'll go and run their first half of the session way too strong and then they will, like I guess in their eyes, almost fail. And then you go, no, this is perfect. You know, you actually had the 
drive because you wanted to make a change in your life somehow you've decided that you're going to do this you're going to you're putting aside the fact that you're probably going to feel embarrassed and shy for a little bit and you're just going to have a go and you, you just just have to accept that that's probably going to happen mm. to almost everyone that initial time they do it but very quickly it'll be gone and you'll feel very welcome and you'll feel part of it and you understand how it all works it's like yeah. a job interview you know you go to a job interview you're like you're nervous like you know you, you it doesn't matter how well you're prepared. Like the fact is that you're going to feel nervous when you get in there, but it means something to you. Mm. So yeah. yeah, just, yeah, just overcome that initial embarrassment and fear factor and just give it a go. I love that. And you mentioned like, you're going to make mistakes, aren't you? It's like there's going to be errors that you will be embarrassed by or um, a little bit shamed by, but owning up to those and really owning them as a progress opportunity and a learning opportunity as well. Fail. First attempt in learning. Oh, God, you got the quotes on you, Ben. <laughs> lots, of, lots of reading. <laughs> not, 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 For those playing at home, Vlad just rolled his eyes at Ben. He's <laughs> yeah, got too much time in his hands. I'll have to send him out on some more running sessions. Yeah, he must, he must spend too much time sitting on the couch. So lazy. He needs to go on another 200k run. <laughs> Blames it on podcasts now with his earphones when he's oh, running. Oh, well, that's also a thing, right? Yeah, there's a lot of podcasts listening that would happen in endurance running. They're not sleeping. Just make sure you get yeah. the podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, unreal. Well, thank you so much for joining me, guys. I'm so excited for the year ahead. And I really appreciate your raw honesty in all of this, your vulnerability in sharing your story um, and allowing so many of us to learn, but hopefully jump into those uncomfortable goals with a little bit more readiness, um, but a little bit more openness to learning mistakes and growth. So thank you so much, guys. Good luck for 2021. Thanks, Thanks Alicia. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us on the Compete Waffle today. I hope you enjoyed hearing Vlad and Ben's experiences as much as I did. Uh, really just absorbing all their learnings and their um, motivations has been such a cool thing for me to, and I feel very grateful um, for being a part of that conversation. Uh, if you're new to the Waffle, please go back and have a squeeze at all of our different episodes. We go through athlete stories often. Uh, we feel like it's such a valuable way to learn and grow and progress, but we also go through a lot of different nutrition topics um, and Q&As associated with that. So yeah, plenty of learning, plenty of inspiring to be done um, throughout the waffle. And we've just got so much more to give um, this year coming forward. So very excited for that. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we, everything that helps us get discovered and improve our ratings helps other people um, find the waffle. So if you have any time at all, and if you enjoyed these episodes, please feel free to leave a um, star rating on your chosen um, app that you listen on, uh, but also any reviews and comments words are really appreciated as well so thank you so much again i've left all the information about vlad and ben in the comment section in the um, description of this podcast so you can find all things run lab and pro trail runner and as always if you wanted some nutrition support for your event or um, anything in life please reach out and we can absolutely get that going for you so thank you so much and really looking forward to the next episode with you soon